Welcome, everybody, to the Beer Guys Radio Show. Thank you so much for joining us this week. This is episode 368 of Beer Guys Radio. We're coming off of the uh, Memorial Day weekend. Get back in the silence. Short week at work, so that's always nice. Always nice to have a little bit of a short week. I always feel weird with those, though. Like, the days don't make sense. You know, Tuesday's Wednesday. Wednesday's Friday. Who even knows what's going on there, man? Who even knows? I don't. I could get used to it. I don't. I don't. But we've got a good show ahead of us here. I am Tim Dennis. Mo Mike Nate, how you doing? Doing well. How are you? Good, man. How was your weekend? It was good. Went to Florida. Checked out a couple of breweries down there in the Panhandle area. Uh, the drive was not great, but beer yeah. was pretty good. That's good. That's good. Brian, did I throw you off there? Jump into Mo, Mo Mike Nate first? Well, just a bit, but I'm not too worried about it because the, the transition to Mo Mike Nate is always awkward. So it's better that you handle it than me. Just take care of it there. It's right. uh, I wasn't awkward. Get that though. out I of was, the way. I was super smooth as, buttery, as buttery I'm known smooth. to be. Buttery. Yeah. Brian, how the heck are you, man? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I am here. I'm not as exhausted as I thought I would be. Yeah. Having just gotten back from uh, my own personal trip to Florida. Uh, yeah. So. On this show, we're going to talk about dangerous flies, the opposite of selling out and whatever that might be. I don't know. Okay. Uh, shipping beer, crime fighting monks, and uh, a bunch more stuff. Uh, if we had rails for this show, we would be completely off them. Off of them. By the time oh, that sounds like anyway. a lot of stuff, man. Oh, yeah. It's a lot of stuff. So that is the plan for the show. So how are you doing, Tim? You stayed here. I'm good. Hung I, hung, yeah. I hung around local. You know, that's, uh, I'm actually kind of homebodyish in general. You know, I don't travel as much as I used to. I'm, I kind of want to, and I'm kind of too lazy to, but uh, Smalls had a housewarming party, so went mm. over there. She was recently married, so it was kind of a combo party, so went over, hung out, had some drinks, you know, shared some beers with some folks, saw some friends I hadn't seen in a while. Of course, the grill was fired up there, and uh, that's always a good time. So I also caught up on Ted Lasso, which oh. let me tell you, y'all, I don't frequently sit out and watch TV, and I I hung out i ordered takeout or uber eats I, I guess that's considered takeout i didn't have to take it out someone else did that but ordered ordered food sat down caught up on ted lasso one day just chilled and y'all it was super nice it was really really nice to do that so you know good times all around nice relaxing weekend for sure that's a good show and uh, i'm still watching it i i'm not a i'm i for whatever reason i'm not a big fan of of the series, the TV show series concept. Now I okay. really like things to be done in an hour, hour and a half, and maybe maximum two hours bow on it, done complete. But Ted Lasso, I, I like and enjoy. I even yeah. don't even mind waiting in between episodes. I wish I didn't have okay. to, but uh, yeah, enjoy that. So I'm right there with you. I think that's, that sounds, that sounds like as much fun as just, uh, Going down to another place and drinking was a good. lot of exotic beer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, uh, I saw a meme talking about sitting down and watching TV, and it, it said, hey, how would you like to, to sit down and watch a 10-hour movie? And they're like, oh, my God, no, never. They're like, well, how about I break it into 10 episodes of one hour each and you just binge them all at once? They're like, you got me. I'm in. <laughs> I'm in. USOB. I'm yeah. in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Bob, Bob, thanks for checking in again. Keep us posted on this. We had, you know, brief update, but uh, New Jersey beer laws are starting to improve past the first stage, and uh, they've got some challenges there. So it, I hope that it keeps moving along for them and yeah, get, that'd be great. get things broken down there. But uh, Brian, I tell you what, man, why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, what breweries, what you hit up in Florida? 
Yeah, I, I I got in as many as I could. I wound up going to uh, four different places, uh, three of them breweries, one of them a really good bottle shop. Uh, I started off at Rock Pit uh, Brewing. That's in uh, Orlando, Florida, and uh, had a couple of beers there. Fun place. Good barbecue. Uh, neat mining theme. And uh, yeah, it was, it was fun. Uh, then I went to uh, GB's Bottle Shop, and I love that place. It was highly recommended on social media, and I, I did a, a fair amount not social media, but like Reddit. I guess that's sort of social media. I get sort of. Yeah, it counts. In uh, people, a number of people said, "Hey, that's the best game in town." If you want to buy beer, or if you just want to sit around and, and drink off of a great tap list, I'm like, "All right, I'm game for that." They were they were great. They were great. I had a bunch of interesting things. I did a shot of Underberg with a chaser. I've never done that before. So scrimshaw pilsners a chaser is is actually a pretty interesting thing. I've never seen this before. They actually pour the bottles into a glass because they don't care for the way it is difficult mm. to get the Underberg mm-hmm. out. It is a little so, hard. Yeah, it's a little difficult to get it out of the tiny bottle. So that I thought that was pretty brilliant. But yeah, I had a uh, an interesting, uh, I think it was like a Brazilian-Chicago-Japanese fusion breweries beer called Japas, I think. And uh, they had a uh, Rio de Janeiro Maru, which is a double North northeast ipa with kumquat and uh that led me down a whole trail of discovery as to what the heck a kumquat is here i was thinking it was some sort of interesting tropical plum and it turns out it's just i guess it's just a small citrus plant right or yeah. small mm-hmm. citrus yep. fruit and i just yeah. had no idea i believe the skin is edible on kumquats like you just you just go for it just go for it uh, from what i read apparently the skin is the the sweetest part it's the possibly the most enjoyable which blows my mind i a citrus where you eat the skin so yeah that was fun i went out to uh cape canaveral just because i wanted to see the beach and that was probably the closest thing to me and i I stopped by carib brewing uh they do a lot of loggers so it's it's hot over there and i just i do like do like the loggers so I, I hung out there ate their freshly popped popcorn which they keep bringing around which i love and uh was drinking loggers and then i came back to what i think is probably my favorite orlando brewery right now based upon my limited experience, Dead Words Brewing. And they had a number of medal-winning beers. Uh, their Bridge American Lager, uh, 2022 GABF gold winner for uh, American Lager. And uh, they had a Harvest Moon Saison, which they aged on Spanish Cedar, which was fantastic. And that won another medal for a different competition. And uh, even had even had a SEMA, uh, S-I-M-A, a Finnish SEMA, which is something I haven't even thought of since back in the days when we homebrewed it like a decade ago. Right, because we, we blew my mind. We made some SEMA. And I actually, because I knew you tried the SEMA, I looked up a little info to share here, Brian. So it's called a Finnish spring mead. And as far as I know, the recipes I've seen don't use any honey. It's just sugar uh, that, that, that they use in there. So, uh, But it is known as a Finnish spring mead brewed for what they call the Vapu Festival. Uh which is a May Day festivities in Vapu literally translates to first of May. So I guess that makes sense. But uh, made with sugar, lemon and yeast, and it can be spiced or is often spiced with crushed cloves. It's a pretty quick fermenting. You know, you're not looking at two weeks. It's a, a few days on this one. You know, it's not it's not a long ferment. Alcohol is probably ne- negligible in this. I believe I've seen it. It's a it's real popular with the kids, you know, so it's not something on the traditional 
one that they do. We'll talk more about the one you had here in a minute. Like a one percent or even under, or I doubt it's even hitting one percent. Really, with the, with the way you do it, I I mean, I think it's probably something that if you put enough sugar in there and you gave it enough time, it may chew down through there a little more. But you're probably rocking almost like an NA beer. I bet you're looking, you know, less than half a percent. I don't know that for a fact. I may be talking out the other side of my head, but I just kind of assume with the time that you're firming and what you're doing there that it's probably not you know, not that much, but quick for a minute, couple days when we did at homebrew, Brian, we did it straight in the bottles. You know, we just put everything in there. And one tip that they gave for homebrewing is put one or two raisins in each bottle, cold fermented in the fridge. And when the raisins come up, that's at the right carbonation level and you're good to go. So hmm. when, the, when they float up there, that that tells you you're good to go. Uh, larger batches, they may brew it and then strain it, rebottle it, you know, put it in, and again, taught maybe may toss a couple of raisins in there, but this it's it's slightly sweet, a little bit tart, of course. I mean, sugar and lemon that kind of makes sense, and uh, it's enjoyed during that Vapu festival with something they call tipa lepa, which is essentially a, a type of funnel cake that they had. There. Ooh, so get you some sema, get you a funnel cake. I think we actually got crawlers. When we had ours, <laughs> didn't we? Because it's like, well, nice. I kind of think as far as availability goes, this is about the best we can do. If you've never homebrewed before, this is super simple. If you want to do something just to play with a little bit of fermentation and to have a technically alcoholic beverage, this is a really easy one to do. So, you know, there's uh, look up SEMA homebrew recipes uh, online, S-I-M-A. You're going to find several. All of them are very similar, but it was a fun one to play around with something a little different than our typical beer and stuff that we do, Brian. Yeah, I remember thinking that was you know super light, very effervescent, but I think I let some of the bottles go a little longer than they should yeah, have. Right. And it gets really carbonated. So if you those Grolsch swing top bottles, I would I would open one off and it would launch the swing top Boom. off and hit the ceiling. But uh you know, it didn't ex- it didn't always explode, but yeah, you're you're running you're running some real risk if you let it go. So you have to be very cautious with that. I would uh, advise people the minute those grapes go up, uh, you know, do something with that. Maybe if you have Raisins. to, maybe even decant it or something like that, so you can, uh, you know, uh, prevent uh, a problem. But the one I had was a little different than that, Tim. Should I should I go into that? Tell us about it. All Let's right. hear about the one you had. Yeah. So they, you said that they, they don't typically use a lot of honey in that. I think that's what you were From saying. From what I saw, the, there's not not a lot of the recipes called for honey. Is that yeah, sh- like sugar in lemons? Well, this is a a one of their quote resurgence things where they resurrect long forgotten recipes, stuff that's just not commonly brewed. It was a little bit different. It was it's a five percenter. It uh, okay. they did in fact use two kinds of honey, not just one, but they used honey. They used two kinds. Wildflower, orange blossom, very heavy on the lemon influence. They had lemon peel in it, lemon juice. They used brown sugar in there. They used uh, a little golden promised barley and a touch of lemon drop hops. So it, right. uh, there was, it was more substantial. Obviously, had a lot more body to it. I thought it wasn't nearly as carbonated. It was very nice. It was uh, sweeter and fruitier than I remember because I it, now it's been a few years, but I remember the the other one being very crisp, very light very effervescent and this was a little bit more substantial i thought it was good i thought it was tasty uh but it made me interested in going back and trying to make the one we made before so i i i like that idea and that might be something that could pull off maybe without being killed for taking up a lot of kitchen space with with fermentations but uh yeah it was kind of neat to get to revisit that something i'd completely forgotten about which made me 
enjoy like dead words brewing just a little bit more i'm like oh look at that that's great just a little so, more connection there huh yeah, yeah. and stuff. and that was a that, that was a great place and sema man i i hope people do that and let us know how it turns out and uh i'd uh i'm maybe i'll end up doing a little bit myself maybe like a half gallon batch if i can pull that off that'd be cool yeah yeah i'd, I'd enjoy trying it again as well nate how about you man what breweries did you hit down there in the panhandle so i stayed in carabelle florida there was not a whole lot of breweries around me specifically there were two breweries near me i went to east point brewing over in east point florida and i had a flight i liked half of the beers that i had um the the irish stout and the amber ale were great phenomenal um blonde was good the blonde was good i just didn't like it there was some weird flavor there i i was told at oyster city which is the second brewery i went to that they had new new owners new management so they were saying that they had swapped out a brewer and they were in the process of transitioning um oyster city over in apalachicola was by far my favorite brewery that i visited um their hellas lager was my favorite uh, okay they have a mangrove pale ale that they brew using mangoes mangoes and uh and that tasted really good i didn't get mangoes out of it um but i did get a soft fruity note to it and it's a rare time for me to see a california commons on a draft wall and they had one and i had multiple pints of that getting getting drunk getting lit over there at oyster city uh you Just know if they're doing a mango beer they need to get some, them some of that thylized yeast because yes. that'll, that'll bring that mango out if they want to accentuate that you know that's a we did where you were nate you were down towards st george island is that right like yes down in that area so we did the sgi brew fest what five years ago now four or five years ago brian but yeah. when we had our station in Tallahassee, they invited us down there to do that festival. So we got to meet a lot of the brewers, the Oyster City folks. Oyster City was a favorite of the morning DJ uh, on the Tallahassee station, Greg Tish, that he her, their Hooter Brown. He was mm. a big fan of. So yeah, we've had uh, actually we've had a good bit of of that area's beer. You know, going to the we festival have, and that yeah. we we drank through there pretty good. But well, guys, I'm not envious of you because I had a good time here. But it sounds like some pretty good trips for the holiday weekend yeah yeah i also had i got and it's not related to beer at all but i saw a tremendous amount of wildlife like stuff that huh. we would stop and stare at here in atlanta that was just wandering around like outside of an uh auto supply store or whatever uh auto zone just random cranes walking around they're like whoa okay. look at those things with like red heads and things like that crazy yeah so they uh they got some interesting stuff going do on down there in florida did you see any alligators? I did. Yes. I was going to, because okay. I knew at one time that was like a big goal for you is I want to see some alligators in the wild. So I haven't shared the videos with you. I do have videos. There is a, okay. a park that I went to where you can walk out to the edge of the water and see them floating along and in, in swimming mm. around. And yeah, fortunately, gators uh, are, are much more relaxed because if they were crocodiles, I'd probably be dead. <laughs> right. Yeah. If, unless they're trying to eat you, they're pretty chill from what I hear, unless they're bothered. So, yeah. And it helps that I'm, you know, as, as tall and as big as I am. And most of them, we saw a few that were probably in the six foot range, but a lot of them were like four footers, you know, okay. like, eh, they're, 
they're gonna they're really gonna hurt an ankle pretty bad but i'm probably gonna be okay you know teacup gators i think is what the they call te- yes this, yes like the yeah. like the poodles the teacup gators. exactly yeah. exactly well let's get into our beers of the week y'all as always when we we want to thank our friends at the nest for sponsoring this segment craft beer barbecue kennesaw georgia weather here has been beautiful so their big patio has been a great place to be nate just spent some time there recently twice i think in the last week nate has went down to the nest and had a good time had some of those sparkling pork rinds that they're known for and uh just just uh enjoying some beer on the patio really nice weather i had intended to join nate on the most recent trip it got caught up and couldn't make it out there but next time next time but yeah craft beer barbecue again the pork rinds patio season y'all get it before it's too hot or too have we had pollen season yet? We haven't, have we? Is that coming we up? We have. We have, yeah. It, it was I haven't seen this year then. It wasn't as crazy as it Yeah, I haven't seen the big is. clouds of dust, but I've been inside yeah. for a lot of it. But it, it's been nicer. I don't know okay, how good. or why, but I think it's been easier than previous years. Fun. But go out and enjoy the nest patio while you can. If it gets a little too hot, they've got a dining room and a bar area where you can chill out. With air conditioning, set in the bar area, the beer's closer. You don't have to wait as long to get it to you. It's right there where you need it. The Nest, Kennesaw, Georgia, thank you guys again for sponsoring our beers of the week. So we're going to get into today, Brian, not surprising. You've got some from Dead Words Brewing. You've got their Timberline Pacific Northwest IPA. You've got from Beer Zombie, Zombie Duck Hunter, which is a West Coast IPA from Jay Wakefield. Sounds like a, flo- a lot of Florida happening here, Brian. You have yeah, a fair amount. UJP Porter, which is a smoked English style porter. Nate has the seed, a living beer project moments, which is just an ordinary bitter style L. Uh, from eight state, he's got coating consistency, which is an imperial style with toasted coconut, almond, walnut, and five different vanillas. Madness. I didn't Madness. know there were that many vanillas. There's vanillas everywhere, Brian. So Apparently. many vanillas. Me, I have one from Scofflaw called. Hop Shatter, a little uh, backstory in this beer. This is a Hop Shatter Hazy IPA. This beer was brewed for the 2023 Craft Brewers Conference, and it's showcasing CGX cryogenic lupulin pellets. Oh. Fancy, right? Sounds uh, fancy. It, so these pellets, these CGX, CGX pellets, they're packed with resins and oils that give off a ton of flavor and aroma. Uh, they have less environmental impact and production waste from normal hop pellets. Uh, this particular one features Motueka CGX, Amarillo CGX, and Cashmere T90. And they're telling me I should get citrus, floral, white grape, and fresh berries in this beer. Y'all, I'm going to say this. A lot of times, Scofflaw's beers are a little too bitter, a little too punchy for me. This is absolutely banging with flavor and aroma, but very soft and smooth on the palate. So okay. I've got cans for you guys that I'll get to you in when I can. Again, thank you to uh, my friend Joe. It's Scofflaw for sharing some of these with me. But uh, right now, this is what I'm getting all up into, and it's pretty darn tasty. Are you getting the citrus, floral, white Hold grape, on. and fresh me, berry I didn't, stuff? Wanna, I didn't want to take up too much time to to evaluate here, but let me get uh, let me get a sip on this while you ramble about something. Well, and I and I had to know when I saw all the the technology and the stats and and all the tasting notes. I'm like, I need to know how much of this is true because I don't know. Is Joe a liar? Joe could be a liar. Probably uh, li- not, lemon, lemon. Okay. So I'm assuming that hits the citrus. citrus. I mm-hmm. get the floral. Uh, mm-hmm. The white grape is there. White grape is pretty unique in the, yeah. the grape family there. Uh, let me see if I get any ber- berries real quick here. 
if it doesn't have berries, then they could just they could just GTFO. Yeah, they just <laughs> toss it out. <laughs> berries and what else? Uh, I, well, I mean, there's profanity written up in the show notes, but I don't think that's part of the tasting notes. I'm not sure I get the berries, and that that okay. could be me. I will admit that this is probably served a little warmer than it should be right now. Uh, I took it out of the fridge a little sooner than I should, I think, getting ready for the show. Uh, but uh, still good. I've got another one to ice down and serve a little colder. But I do get definitely there's lemon, there's floral there. That white grape comes through, and I will do my continued research to see if I can find those berries. It does sound good, though. I, yeah, I, it's I'm tasty. I think you'll enjoy it. Yeah, I'll yeah. get you guys some for sure. Well, Brian, let's get right into it. Get into your fancy pants news stories. What you got for us? All right, we'll get started with uh, Constellation Brands are doing something interesting. They are completely getting out of the craft beer business. So this is <laughs> this is something people have been talking a lot about. Uh, it's uh, apparently they're just killing it with Mexican import beers, and they're happy with that, and they think that's what needs to they need to do going forward. And that means that they are turning over the ownership of Funky Buddha Brewery in Florida and Four Corners Brewing uh, Company in Texas to their respective original members. Now, to be clear, they're not just giving it away. They are they're The owners are buying it back. But uh, like the original sales, we don't really have any financial details to, to relate. But there is some sort of a financial tra- transaction happening. So I, I'm thinking if they're motivated to get out, the, the, the owners may be getting a, a great deal on this. Like get your brewery back for a fraction of what you sold it. Maybe. I don't know. Um this this seems like the continuation of a trend that just suddenly started happening, and I don't think anybody predicted it was happening. Like we we could see that buyouts and consolidations being a thing that's going to happen as the as the market changes, but uh, breweries returning to their original owners, getting bought back is I don't think it's anything anybody predicted that I I've heard of. I don't think uh, so. Hmm. Yeah, because we've seen stuff like uh, the platform is the one that comes to mind where they just. Like this is an underperforming craft brewery uh, under our AB InBev's uh, craft segment, whatever the heck they call it, the high end or whatever it was called. Uh, and they basically they closed the tap room, they closed the brewery. They didn't kill the brand exactly, but they keep they kept it like three IPAs alive with their name on it, and that's being produced wherever AB InBev decides to produce it. Probably Goose Island is is my guess, but I have no idea. And so it effectively. It's gone. It's been wrapped up and it may, if it doesn't continue to sell well, those beers will slowly go away and the platform will cease to exist. So it, uh, it's interesting that, uh, Constellation previously acquired Ballast Point for a billion dollars in 2015 and then later sold Ballast Point to Kings and Convicts for $41 million in 2020. So they have not done really well in the craft game. I can, I can see why they would be interested in getting out because I know that the the Mexican style beers, the Mexican lagers are just absolutely killing it. I enjoy drinking them. I know they're a big they're they're growing. So I can see why they, you know, would go that direction. Just say, hey, we're done with the, all the special fancy pants, expensive beer. Let's go to what sells easy. Well, here's something we've talked about a good bit with some of our breweries here in Georgia closing is that the game is a little different. This isn't a distribution game so much anymore, unless you're doing the macro beers like the the Mexican lagers that they're talking about. Those are ones you get out to the masses there, but craft people are drinking it on site. You know, a, mm-hmm. you, it's, it is harder and harder to take a gra- a craft brand across the country and make it worthwhile. You know, there's always going to be some, I would love for Firestone Walker to start distributing here in yeah. Georgia. 
Uh, but Brian, I've got to admit, I said the same thing about Cascade. I bought Cascade when they first came to Georgia. I haven't bought one in forever. You know, it's something that, uh, yeah, I, I really think, hey, it's going to be super nice to have this, but it's here. You just kind of take take it for granted. And there's a ton of other great beer on the shelf and continuing to be added to the shelves. So, you know, it's a uh, distribution game is hard. People are drinking local more and more. And it's just a change in the way the game is played there, man. So it's not surprising to me to see Constellation coming out, you know, the AB InBev buybacks. We're also seeing, I've already forgotten which ones it was. I actually think it was, I forget the brewery, but it was like a seltzer company bottom. And it's like four different seltzer companies in this brewery formed a conglomerate or whatever. And, you know, we've seen this with others like Vivana that we've talked about before that Orpheus has partnered with, Pontoon Brewing has partnered with a lot of breweries in the Carolinas. We see like Scofflaw and Bearded Iris. I forget the name of that union, but they've got things. We're seeing a lot more breweries come together for power in numbers. You know, buy mm-hmm. buy more grains in bulk and get lower prices on your grains. Buy cans in bulk and get lower prices on your cans. Uh, Sean from Pontoon Brewing came on our local uh, beer forum on the Reddit ATL beer forum and gave us kind of a breakdown of what it meant to him uh, going with, you know, signing with Bevana. And it's, it's not insubstantial. And they talked about just something like buying cans, the amount of money that a brewer can save over there by going in with that group for the buy is substantial. So I think mm, as we see sure. things, you know, we see things continue to change here. I wouldn't be surprised in the least to see more uh more breweries joining their wonder twin powers together there or triplet powers who knows man who knows i'm i'm keeping an eye on bevana because i think i wasn't sure about them when we first became aware of of them and what they were doing but as they've grown i i think that that might be one of the better games in town for somebody looking to leverage the power of a greater business to get yourself going keep your costs down keep your profits up that sort of thing just get your beer available to as many people as possible. And yeah, I, I kind of, I kind of like, I kind of like that approach. I think in the past, maybe I would have seen her to selling out, but I, I get it. I get it. And I think that, uh, they're doing their, the best they're doing, they're doing right by the people. And one of the, the, the two important things to me is I saw unknown brewing, which I liked and I enjoyed some of their beer when it was distributed here. They stopped, they stopped making it all together. Mm-hmm. Well, it got revived by the owner in Bevana, because the, the guy that had been doing it just didn't have time for it. And so now he can do the creative parts and they can brew the beer. And so it's it's a it's a, a brand that just went away and then came back with the help of Bevana. And with Orpheus closing down and having tried the Bevana uh transmigration, I'm very happy with that. So that means that I continue to get a beer that I very much like without I wouldn't have gotten it basically otherwise. Yeah, right. I think if that this, was gonna if that option wasn't there they just would have been gone. Yeah, Orpheus just right. would have been gone. I don't. I don't yeah. think there was an. I don't think there was a plan B for that. I think that that worked, and it, they went forward. Maybe there was, and we just don't know. But uh, I like the idea of being able to get that beer and possibly other beers that I have enjoyed from them in the future. Now the big barrel stouts, probably not going to see those again. It's that's sad, but I do have a, a massive seller. Got a few, Orpheus right? Stouts, yeah. So yeah. I'll, I'll be okay for a while. Uh, the diabetes will get me before I run out of stouts. Let's just say that. So absolutely. Yeah. And Brian, related to that story that I was just talking about, I didn't see your notes here, but uh, Appalachian Mountain Brewery is the one that popped back from ABN. Yes, you know they're there in the uh, in North Carolina, and like you said, kind of what's the opposite of selling out here? You know these guys are going back and 
I imagine there's not a lot of uh, pushback from ABI on these, you know, just because of the way the market is, if someone comes in and they want to get that done, that they're able to. So in the original founder, Chris Zieber and Nathan uh, Kelichek, they've reacquired. This is in Boone, North Carolina, and it was originally acquired by uh, the Craft Brew Alliance in 2018. And then CBA was acquired by AB InBev in 2020. So uh, it took them eight months to make the deal happen and to get that done. Looking ahead for them, it includes looking for a contract brewing partner and opening a new tap room in Mills River. And for those that aren't well, Mills River, North Carolina, is where the big Sierra Nevada uh, facility is out here in the east. That'll be cool. So, yes, interesting, Brian. I see you put a note here. The Bojangles hard sweet tea actually stays with AB InBev. They know what's up. They're like, no, you don't get that sweet. You may have brewed that tea. You may have brewed it, but you don't get to keep it. You can have the brewery, but we get to keep the hard sweet tea. If you're not in a location with the Bojangles, you should relocate your entire family right now and go get you a sweet tea and a chicken biscuit from Bojangles. And you'll you'll be like, you know what? This reload was completely and totally worth it. So that's uh, Yeah. Sounds like a big factor in this was it was uh, the need to be nimble and flexible. Uh, get away from the cruise ship mentality of AB InBev there. So good. Uh, good talk on growth changes, expansion. So I hope this works out well for them. It would be great if it did. So they sound super optimistic. That's good. I'd come in with a positive attitude, make it happen, man. But uh, I would like to give a shout out to one of our amazing sponsors right now, Truck and Tap. They've been with us again since the very beginning. They've got uh, Brian. I just saw they've got another location coming. There's going to be four Truck and Taps oh, in I the Metro Atlanta this. area. You got Woodstock, you got Duluth, you got Alpharetta, location coming in Lawrenceville, and the Taps at Feast up at the Battery there by the brave stadium so uh go in get whatever uh beer you want they keep the taps rotating so you got something fresh there's going to be a new food truck there some of the locations even have a kitchen on site brian so if a food truck can't make it they're still going to have some grub for you there uh if you're not a beer drinker they've got cocktails man there's hard liquor there too uh you know you can get uh get a little bit of everything for anyone there uh but truck and tap big fans love them Love going out and having something new to drink and eat all time. So if you're around a truck and tap, definitely check them out. Brian, you, you and I have traded beer before. We've got beer. We've traded beer and all this. And, and so far, it has been uh, required that you ship, or not required, but highly recommended you ship beer, either FedEx or UPS. And Correct. one of the main reasons is, is you're really not supposed to to do it with any of them, but with the United States Postal Service, it's actually a federal offense to do that. So, yeah, you kind of you kind of stay out of a little more trouble if you get caught with uh, if you get caught with FedEx or UPS, you may lose your package or whatever. But with the with the Postal Service, if they want, they can uh, they can throw out a uh, throw out a uh, crime there. So, and yeah, we got the beer Jesus here from Twitch, and like he said. When you ship FedEx that yeast yeast products, yeast samples, you know, something like that. That's the way you oh, that's yeah. the way you ship it. What do you ship? Isolated These are yeast, yeast samples. samples. That's exactly right. Mm-hmm. So this is for science people. This is but for what's science. What's the one? W, WLP001. Like he has a lot of bottles of that. That's He's it. really yeah. into shipping that around. Check it out. Share. Tell me what you <laughs> find out. But Brian, that may change. Is that right? That is correct. Congress, uh, members of Congress have introduced a USPS Shipping Equity Act. In short, it's a 
bipartisan legislation that would allow USPS to ship alcohol, beer, wine, and spirits in states where it is currently legal to do so. And uh, they were quick to point out that that's all it does. It doesn't change the legalities in any of the states. It just says, hey, if you can do this legally in a state, we're letting it. We're, we're letting you use USPS to do that. So honestly, Brian, that still would not apply to us trading beer or sending our yeast samples, correct? Probably not. Okay. Pro- All right. Probably not. But, uh, but I mean, it, this is getting into something I was going to say, mention a little later. It, it kind of seems like we're already sort of doing that in a way through le- legal loopholes. And so I'm wondering, you know what? Let me finish this. I'll get back to that. Go on, so, Brian. So the, uh, the, the bill was introduced by, uh, representatives Dan Newhouse, who's a Republican from Washington, and Jennifer Wexton, a Democrat from Virginia, and it has eight co-sponsors. So the interesting thing to me, and I never thought about this, but the current ban on shipping alcohol dates all the way back to Prohibition. This has not changed. Like It was made illegal with Prohibition, and it never became unillegal. So that's a, we're, that's a holdover from the 1920s, if you can believe it. And it, it seems like a holdover from the 1920s. So uh, in addition to helping out alcohol producers, if they were to pass this and get it through, this lift, lifting this ban would also bring in millions for the Postal Service. So there's reasons on the other side to do this. Mm-hmm. They're thinking they might make as much as $180 million annually for the Postal Service if they allowed people to ship beer. And it would help consumers get access to products they can't currently buy due to you know geography, travel, and distributor consolidation, which apparently is causing people grief some places. Distributors get together, they consolidate, they drop some uh, some brands, and you can't get those brands anymore, like you, unless you're going to drive to another state or wherever. Brian, um, a quick comment on that. Yeah. I guess worse for the brewers, there's in some areas where they just kind of quit promoting certain brands. They don't necessarily drop yeah. them, and it hurts the brewer, but because the distributor has the power, in that situation, mm-hmm. they don't have to push your brand. They have to carry your brand in that, but they don't want to necessarily release you from that contract and let somebody else pick you up because they don't want the competition and they don't have to. So there's mm-hmm. there's a lot of things in there talking about feeling the stress from distribution. There's several angles that that can hurt a brewery. And if you're feeling conspiratorial, and I'm not saying this ever happens, but it probably does. Uh, it, it, it's possible that uh, behind the scenes, a brewery and a distributor get together. There's something happens. Maybe money falls out of one guy's pocket into another. And there's a reason to not promote one brand at all. Continue to promote an existing brand. Both the distributor handles both of those and then not let the other guy off the hook to go pursue other distributors. So theoretically, it's possible that uh, this gives them an outlet to avoid that kind of scenario which you know theoretically could happen allegedly possibly allegedly uh, in theory so so the thing is is uh this bill is sounds great but i think you were telling me before that this has been introduced before and hasn't passed i think it did make it to a bill one time i know it's been mentioned several times that you know let's get this shipping i i actually need to look i know it was talked about on reddit several years ago that's like hey they're talking about doing this they're talking about doing this so I don't know if this is the first or second time that the bill's gone up, but it is something that's been tossed around for a while. And and I really shouldn't say that in a way to discourage or deflate this because that's common with these kind of things. You know, you start we've been talking about self self distribution in Georgia for probably 
at least a decade, probably yeah. two or more, you probably, know? So, yeah. and it's something that, yes, it's been talked about, but there's certain things that in order to make them happen, they do have to go up several times before you make headway there. And sometimes it's a matter of knocking down other hurdles to get to that point. So, you know, hopefully wish for the best here. Yeah. I, I, I think I, I crossing my fingers. I think that this might be the right time because again, I have seen places like, well, other half in the brewery shipping beers that I am legally, well, assume presumably legally able to receive using, I believe, what are legal loopholes that invo involve distributors. And I'm thinking that if this is happening in a lot of places, the, the federal government's leaving money on the table. Now, I guess the USPS, I know people debate whether or not that's actually a government agency. I think it's quasi something. I don't care. You know, the, the point is, is money is being left on the table. If people are doing this already, why wouldn't you get into this game and let people ship, ship the, the products they're shipping? We've got great shippers. We've got these fantastic things that I have of, of the shipments I've received, all of them, I believe legally, uh, not a single one of them has had any kind of leakage explosions, anything like it's not going to damage other products. It's they, they all have ID verification and all these giant forms requiring it. It's, it's as safe as it could be. So I don't see a reason not to get into it now. I think it's been thoroughly vetted. And I think, I think that there's the overwhelming evidence of people using it that will make it make it pass. I I, I hope so. I think so. Yeah, so, it, I don't know. We'll it see. Could be a good option. That's for sure, man. That uh, and they're keeping it to people who are legally authorized to do so. So, like you talked about with the shipping and packing and all that, it'll be done properly. And uh, another way to ship more revenue for the USPS. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> indeed. Indeed. So, you know what? Let me move on. Let me move on into something that's completely different in a different region of the world. The crime-fighting Trappist monks. I'm, I'm, I'm excited about this. Uh, they've had it up to here, and uh, you, you don't get the visual if you're just listening, but I'm, I'm moving my hand near my head somewhere. But trust Brian, that hand yeah. is up there. That's it's, how it's far up there they've high, had it. And they're, they're over it with you reselling their beer. And I'm, I'm talking about St. Sixtus Abbey specifically, the guys that are famous for... Westley Turin 12 or Westy 12, as we like to say. Right. Uh, they are fighting a secondary markup situation with a new sales strategy for at least a year. During this year long trial period, their beer will be distributed directly in Netherlands, the Netherlands by an importer. So they're not going to require you to come to the brewery anymore. They are going to work with an importer to send their beer to the Netherlands. That's a, th th that is to combat the significant markup that's happening in the Netherlands where their two euro a, a bottle beer is being sold for as much as 10 euros a bottle. Yeah. So they don't really have a problem with more people drinking their beer. The problem they have is people drinking their beer at a reasonable price and not being gouged by these this gray market situation that's that's happening there. So the beers that they will be uh, exporting are uh, Westy Blonde, Westy 8, and of course Westy 12. So if your illicit Westy 12 source is a shady convenience store in the Netherlands, you might find yourself cut off sometime soon. So Done. And they've I been have seen, they've seen, Oh, go, go ahead. Sorry. No, I was just going to say, I have seen places here that got a hold of Westy 12 in the U.S. that have had it listed for up to $50 a bottle. You know, oh, and it's surprised. And I tell you what, there was a time I would have paid that just to be able to get my hands on that beer. 
And there's plenty of people that will do it right now, you know. So it's uh the 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 Belgian beers, those Abiels are are changing. Monks don't want to monk anymore. So, you know, our people right. don't want to be monks anymore. So it's affecting all those Abiels. And uh, uh let me ask you, Nate, you've had Westy twelve, correct? No. You've what? never had do you still have some bottles, Brian? I think I may I, have I may, one. I may have some bottles. Okay. Somewhere. That's I'll have to look. Uh, I will tell you this. The first time I ever had Westy 12, I was underwhelmed. And I think it just got built up too much to the point that I'm like, eh, okay. Uh, I've had it since then and really enjoyed it. And I, I'll be honest, I forget which one it is, but the, the green cap, is that is that eight? I think blue think. cap on the 12. I think it's blue on 12, green uh, is eight, and yellow is the the half or the the blonde they have a yellow yeah. blonde and they you know what they actually started putting a, a small label on the bottles too like within the past year or two so yes so, theoretically you would sure. actually get more than just the cap to tell you what's in there yeah and the beer jesus here he's got a pro tip for you get your saint bernardist app 12 and you know save save some money there because apparently they are birthed of the same recipe and, huh. uh, you know, does really well. But no, we are not thinking of San Bernardus. This is Westy. They yeah. started adding labels. There was the U.S. shipment back 2014, maybe, that they Something did like a special that, yeah. release to the U.S. But there were some others that were the Abbey releases that people just, hoard, you know, uh, packed over here, muled over here, and then, you know, went up for sale certain places. So uh, I did get some from that U.S. release. It was hard to get, but I scored some of that. Got some of the cool tasting glasses. Which I got to yeah. admit, I really like that little tasting glass that came uh, in that set. But uh, yeah, yeah, fun stuff, man. The monks, uh, we're going to be challenged to have our Trappistels much anymore. Yeah, I remember there was a, uh, was it Belgium in a box that went away? But for a while, you could yeah. get a flat or an entire box of Westy 12. And yeah. wow. they, they've apparently had a really uh, a great deal of success at stomping out the secondhand market in Belgium itself, which is why they're going after the Netherlands. And that might be part of the reason we can't find, we can't get it ordered anymore. It's gone. But uh, I have been there and had, uh, I went, I went to uh, what effectively was a junket and had a flat of it sitting out there. And somehow it's a little less special when there's a, just a giant flat of them You're sitting one there. Of those people, and anybody Brian. can just grab them. <laughs> You're one of those people. It's like, oh, I wish they'd make more. I wish they'd get it out there. And then Brian's like, that's a shelf turd. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a shelfie. I, I did en- I, I did enjoy them, them, and it, somebody else was that was on the trip with me hoarded them. Like they, a lot of them disappeared quickly. I'm like, what are you doing, man? Yeah. this is this is so shady. Why are you doing that? So talk uh, to that tra- site. Sorry, Brian, go ahead. Yeah, the Trappist would disapprove of you. Great, they would they would? There was a time with that Belgium in a box that even though some of the beers they had on there we got in distro in Georgia. It was less expensive for us to order them from Belgium and have them shipped than to pay the price on the shelf here in Georgia via the distributors. And I remember, I remember ordering cases, Brian, of the the Oud Goose, you know, the Dre Font and right. the Goose. Yeah, and we, yeah. I tell my friends, I'm like, hey guys, I'm going to make a Belgium in a box order. Who? What do you want? Place your orders here because the more I order, the less shipping is, and it ends up being cheaper than getting it on the shelf here in Georgia. That's hard to argue with. Those prices were so crazy good. Like looking back they on are. it, I don't yeah. know why I didn't order more of them. And the great thing about that is, is of all the beers I've hoarded, I've not hoarded those. Those have all been consumed. Like not a single one of those uh, 
I'm not looking to flip yeah. anything. I, no, I want to drink them, I'm getting them to drink, for sure. We enjoyed them because they're reasonably priced. They were a lot of fun, and there was always a good occasion to open them. So, yeah, I don't know why th- those – I just blew through those. Maybe it's – they're a little easier to drink than your uh, 14% stout. <laughs> yeah, but speaking of Belgian-style beers, we're going to have a show coming up in about a month, I think it is, but we're going to deep dive into Belgian styles a little bit. We're going to a Belgian beer festival, a Belgian beer festival here in the U.S., uh, but we're going to use that as an opportunity to uh, to dive into Belgian beers a little bit more and absolutely guaranteed these uh, Trappist Abiels will be talked about for sure. Indeed. Yep. Looking forward so, Brian, to Brian, speaking of breweries in general, uh, growth, brewery growth. You know, we know it's a challenging time out there, but there's still some folks growing. Per Untapped, you've got stats on the fastest growing breweries right now, correct? I do. And it's crazy to think of people growing like these are growing given the current in- environment and where the industry is. But yes, there are some. And love it or hate it, Untapped is a good source of interesting beer data, especially if you're a beer or a beer or a data nerd, and I'm both. So mm. uh so the stats in question that I've I'm looking at are based on the growth in check-ins. From 2020 to 2022, in terms of just raw numbers, raw check-ins growth, the number one growing beer, our number one uh, brewery growing since in those at that period of time is New York's Fiddens Brewing Company, which I've never heard of. Fiddens? They had the largest growth increase of 105,653 check-ins during that period. So that's a growth over whatever that was they had prior. So an additional 100,000 people were checking their beers in. That's huge. That's Florida's yeah. Tripping Animals, which I've heard a lot about. And I see them everywhere. They group up by 55,000 additional check-ins. And Delaware's Dewey Brewing Company, which uh, I also have not heard of, they grew by 50,000. So these right. guys are really killing it right now. Now, I've got, there's a, also a percentage growth, and that listing is a little different. So uh, Delaware's first state brewing company grew by 3,000, over 3,000%. Uh, in that two-year period, uh, Tennessee's Zool Brewing Company, a beer company, Zool X-U-L with an umlaut over the U. Sounds like uh, Zool, right? Mm-hmm. I think it's Zool. I think it's Zool. Is that a Ghostbuster reference? I think that's Ghostbuster. Yeah, yeah. I think so. It's so. a 1,328% growth in check-ins over that two-year period. And this is during COVID and everything. Uh, New Jersey's The Seed, a living beer project, is up by a thousand twenty-two, 222%. And that's, I believe, one of the, uh, the beers that Mo Mike Nate has that he's drinking. Um, and, uh, I, I happen to notice because I was down in Florida, as we've discussed, that there's a couple of Florida beers that are on the list that I haven't mentioned. And I can confirm that I saw those beers everywhere. And I'm, I'm talking specifically about Magnanimous Brewing and Woven Water Brewing. And I had beers from each of them. They showed up on a lot of tap lists. So. I believe that they're growing anecdotally. So uh, there is a lot of growth out there if you're the right brewery. And uh, it's crazy time because you see some breweries closing down. You see other breweries just exploding. So now I have quite this important distinction here, Brian. We're talking about strictly about numbers of check-ins on untap or growth percentage growth of check-ins. Correct. Yes. This doesn't necessarily correlate directly to actual brewery growth. Correct. That's true. That's true. You are looking at a subset of data. These are very dedicated beer nerds or what, whatever, you know, whoever's using NTAP. So it is confined to that amount. So theoretically, they're, you know, Voodoo Ranger is not going to show up in here, but Voodoo Ranger will probably kill all these guys in, in stats because in they've been pure growing numbers, gang, right. gangbusters. Mm-hmm, yeah. 
but people drinking Voodoo Ranger are less likely, perhaps, to check that in on Untapped. I mean, sure. the, I, you know what? A fair percentage of people would, but there's an even greater percentage that wouldn't. Is what I'm saying. So they they extend beyond just the Untapped user. So I think, this is this is focusing on beer nerds, basically. I guess is the way yeah. best way to put it. Yeah, I mean, still an interesting stat to see that these beers are being. You can take that. Hey, this is the beer geeks, but there's there's a relation to the percentage of increased consumption of these beers to that. You know, it's, it's probably not a direct correlation uh, or maybe someone's just a super fan and they just sat down all day and bought check in the beers. Who knows? It's possible. Yeah. Who knows? The beer Jesus is talking about uh, Voodoo Ranger being the one that killed stone IPA. And I don't doubt it. Honestly, I don't doubt it. I think they may have, they may have, I could see there being overlap there, and I could see one being a little bit more appealing going forward than the other, perhaps. Because interesting, I th- yeah, I think I see something there. Yeah, I think that's possible. I mean, and no slide on Stone. They they've had a rough go of things, but I just haven't heard a lot of hype for them in a few years for anything that no. they've done. You know, so Stone IPA. It's I was talking to some. Uh, we have a group in Atlanta called the Atlanta Area Build Beer Elders which I was offended when they invited me to their Facebook group. But uh, they're the old dudes that go around enjoying craft beer. And we were talking about how you'll see people like the the newer generation of drinkers, as you may want to say, they'll they'll scoff at like a Pliny or, or a Stone mm. IPA, you know, or something like that. And it's like, look, these guys may not be the hippest, coolest style right now, but you got to respect your elders. You know, you got to know where things came from, because if, if Pliny hadn't happened, if Anchor Steam hadn't happened, if if, if Sleeve White hadn't happened, these other beers never would have, you know. That's so, correct, yeah. Uh, you may not think that Pliny is the most exciting beer in the world right now, but guaranteed that they were paving the way and they were making those changes to get to the beers that we have today. So respect to the elders, the originators, the OGs. I would still be excited to get some Pliny, and that's, yeah, that's one I, I kind of hope that they beer, make man. it over here. Yeah, Like the shipping... I right. hope that's something I can start getting is shipping because that was, I I know it's 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 a revealing my age, but the excitement about being able to get fresh ones and how good it was, I'd still go for that. I'd, when yeah. Ed Sheeran came to Atlanta last weekend and he bartended at Sweetwater and then played a quick concert and bought everybody beer, I hope he had a chance to enjoy a fresh Sweetwater IPA straight from the tap. Oh, yeah, because that's, that's another one that it may not get a lot a lot of love, even. In the name of Sweetwater Beers, 420 kind of overshadows it. But fresh Sweetwater IPA is, it's delicious. It's a fantastic beer. From the source, it's a, it's a fantastic beer. Yeah. It should be experienced if you can. Yeah. If you can do it, then do it. Brian, uh, some scary news for hops out there and hop farmers. We got bugs. That's right. I, I heard people wanted more bad news about the beer industry. Always. And, yeah, always. Everything. So I, I went and found this. Actually, all about beer found this and and then terrified me. So I'm going to terrify you in turn. Uh, so the spotted lanternfly is uh, it's coming and it, it wants to eat your hop crops. It's uh, it's an invasive species. It's causing problems in the Northeast currently. Uh, I don't think it's a huge problem yet, but it, it's starting to be. It was first detected back in 2014 in Pennsylvania. They come from Asia. It's not I don't know how exactly they got here, but uh, luggage or. Who knows? Well, the, you shipping know what? They can come in shipping containers. A lot of them I've heard come in like produce shipments and stuff. They do a lot Could of be. stuff to keep them out, but, you know, still happens. So apparently the thing about this bug is it likes to feed on wine vines and hop vines. 
fortunately, it does seem to like wine vines better than uh, more than hop hop vines, which is good for me, but it's bad for the the, the wine yeah. people. Sorry, yeah. wine people. Uh, it it's uh, the flies aren't actually good flyers, so this is a good thing. They they're called flies, but they don't really fly. They kind of skip, or they just don't fly distances. Hmm. So their spread has been kind of slow. They have to get on something and ride along. So they're the laziest of flies, probably because they're drunk. I don't know. Um. It is thought they uh, they spread by laying their eggs on cars and trains is is the way they get around the most. And their eggs are kind of hard to identify. I think they're described as like a they look like a dirt smudge or something like that. But th- that little streak or whatever it could be like forty or fifty eggs. So you got forty or fifty flies that could fly out of that. There is a public awareness awareness campaign in New England uh, to educate the people and to let them know that they need to kill these bugs if they see them. And please do kill them if you see them. Um, When they feed on plants, they weaken them and they make them more susceptible to other problems, including mold growth. There are concerns that these flies may make their way to the West Coast, which would be terrifying, uh, and start chewing on hop crops as early as 2027. Though I have seen in the article that there have been isolated sightings of these bugs in Oregon and Washington already, so it might already be too late for that. But they're slow moving, and there was they stressed that if you find them, you report it, and it's because of the way they don't fly very well and they don't get around too fast. It may be possible for them to stomp out uh, these isolated sightings before they become real problems. So check that out. You know, if if you see. I, I don't have a description of the bugs, unfortunately, but uh, Google that. Google the spotted spotted lantern fly. It's got a little red streak in it, and uh, if you see that, crush it. <laughs> lazy bugs that they're wine and hops and being lazy, and they're like, you know what, man? Let's just eat some some wine wine vines here and chill. Yeah, just, hey, you guys, I'd, I've heard there's great wine out in like Washington, Oregon. You guys, no. No, well, I'm fine, man. We'll just we'll just hang here. You know what? Let me plant some eggs on this car. It looks yeah. like it's headed west. Maybe the next generation can do that. Or maybe they pass out on a car or a train. Like, oh Whoa, no, where we're, on the, we're on the west coast. <laughs> Is this oh, Michigan? <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah. so hungover right now. Where's some uh, wine vines? Good stuff. Awesome, man. Well, uh, guys, great info. Some good stories this week. Thank you so much. I think that about wraps it up for this episode of the Beer Guys Radio Show. As always, we thank y'all for tuning in. We definitely appreciate it. If you want more craft beer news and info, we're on all the socials. We're just going crazy out there. I'm still looking for continued validation on my short videos that I'm posting to YouTube. Uh, Got another one in the works right now, so keep an eye out for that. But please do validate me. I need it. It's really my only means of existence over here. So, uh, yeah, definitely go out there and do it. But once again, thanks for tuning in. Have a great week. And don't forget to drink local. Cheers. Cheers.